don't know. It'd be it'd be a tough ride, but I might be able to get the simple sword to drag you up. I I think you'd be able to. Yeah, simple sword is actually the 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 motor on it is overpowered. You well, you yeah. can do some pretty aggressive stuff with it. I'll um, slap a CPAC on it and go for it. Oh, geez, forget that. <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow, you'll be racing with that. No, but it, it, that would be enough to tow it up in the. Greetings, salutations, good day to you, and welcome back to the Aviation RC New Podcast. My name is Joe. And I'm Matt. And today we're on episode 59. Matt, you're saying uh, we're going to call this What You Missed? What are we on about? Oh, yeah. Well, so in case you're new here, let's cover What You Missed, because we are on episode 59. Which mm-hmm. means you have 58 episodes of amazing hobby material that you may have missed um, or may not think it's worth going back to, uh, to look into. And I, I'm here to tell you, I think some of it is. Um, and depending on what you're interested in, uh, we'll, co- we'll cover it and just kind of go over a little bit of everything and um, give you maybe some highlights. And if those sound interesting to you, we'll have the episode number for you to go back to. That said, by all means, don't feel like you have to go back and listen to everything if you haven't listened to everything yet. Uh, I went an extra step further, Matt, as I was listing out our episodes. Yes. And I put their times beside them and added them all up. And... Wait. We are... Wait, uh, wait, wait. You added all the time up? How many days have we been doing this? uh, A couple. Uh, it's 114 hours and six minutes. Wow. Wow. Give or take five or 10 minutes for, uh, well, give or take upwards of 30 minutes for, uh, seconds that I didn't count in. Oh, fair enough. So. Wow. Nice. About four and a half days of content. So how many Lord of the Rings trilogies is that? The unabridged versions? Uh, I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> uh, let's see. Google. You could, you could listen to com. us and watch that trilogy in its entirety. Uh, probably like uh, six times. <laughs> Unabridged length. Uh, 54 hours and nine minutes. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So we're two of those, baby. <laughs> oh, holy cow. I had no and idea it was so. that long. Wow. Well, gee, we're, we're all that and an extra bag of chips. Yeah, that's it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, I'm glad you, I, honestly, if you've been listening from the beginning, we're glad you made it to episode 59. Uh, don't tune out because it may, we may talk about a couple things that you uh, forgot we talked about or maybe want to go back and listen to again now that you're a little bit further in uh, to the hobby. Uh, you may kind of have a different perspective on it and may pick up on different things you didn't hear before. So, mm-hmm. um, or maybe and you missed something. As I'm understanding, this came about because we had plans to talk about something, but it was one of those things of, eh, we want to do that topic proper justice. So, right. 
let's uh let's push that back maybe an episode and well we were like well what are we gonna talk about exactly um, so we can talk about some of the things we've talked about in the past uh in passing or briefly so that um largely because i think what sort of brought this about was you um you brought up the you asked for some questions in discord yeah. and some like questions that came up were like the answers were in episodes that we had had. And while mm-hmm. we'd certainly don't want to be go listen to this episode, um, <laughs> it was, right. well, we we've talked about that in depth. So yeah, I kind of gave the, uh, what's your whistle version of the answer and kind of said, there's more detail. Um, I'm not about to type it all out, but, uh, you can listen to episode this or that or whatever it was and, and learn the rest of it. But this will answer your question, but I, I think it may be worth listening to the full thing. You'll, you'll get a lot out of it, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was, a, there was a lot more of it than I expected, but we also have seen a, number, a lot of new people in our Discord, um, and it's really awesome to see, and we're excited to have our community grow. Um, but with that, uh, we recognize not everybody's going to be listening to everything. Maybe they just found us, and they're just excited to join in. I'm not about to poo-poo on somebody who just got in and is learning. Uh, I wanted right. to go learn more. So this is kind of maybe the shortcut episode for you to find find out where to go uh, for the things you want to learn. Or at least to know that these are topics that we have discussed in the past that mm-hmm. once you hear, oh, they did talk about that. Mm-hmm. All right, let me go find that episode. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't I don't know we necessarily need to list off every episode, but just like, you know, topics that we've discussed with an episode number beside it. Right. So, um, so what I kind of, what I kind of went through, and this is going to be maybe the organization for today. Okay. Uh, is, and we'll talk a little bit about our community and the, the couple of things we've been up to in the last week. But, um, before we get started, I want everybody to know, uh, we have like, um, groups of kind of how our episodes, um, they're topiced, right? Like there's a whole, we have like almost the whole beginning of our stuff is about how, how to get started. Right. Cause that's mm-hmm. what we're here for. Right to get people in, get them started, get them successful and having fun. So a lot of our early episodes are that, but we also have a whole set of episodes that are about designing a plane. When you get to that point where you're ready to design, we have a whole bunch based on that. We have a number of small either segments or whole episodes dedicated to regulations. We have we go through a series of, of uh, the different plane types that are out there, uh, different flying styles. And we'll get into that more detail if you have questions about it. Um, and then we have, we talked to a couple of podcasts and we talked about guests, right? So maybe podcasters we've had on and other guests um, in the industry, whether they be manufacturers um, or other movers and shakers, um, maybe people on YouTube, uh, people who are in different industries related to the hobby. So I've, so we kind of organize it in that session so that way you can kind of go, oh, okay, yeah, I want to get started. Where should I go and which one should I pay attention to? You can write down the list um, and we'll try to follow it up with um, maybe a blog post or something similar to that that you can reference pretty easy. That might take a little bit because we're catching up on website stuff at the minute. Mm. Yeah, uh, how's that going, by the way? Oh, slow. Uh, it's only because I have no time for myself as a person, <laughs> let alone for the podcast or anything else I uh, it's, I really have to balance the couple hours I get in a minute. Um, and yeah. I've, at this point I'm doing planning stages cause I want to, I want to make sure that we it's organized. So I'm once it's organized, I'm just going to 
grab a thing and I'm going to work on that one and post it, you know, get it done. Mm-hmm. And I'll just work at it one or two days at a time and just plug away. Okay. That's my plan with that. Anyway, so. Well, I'll be curious to see how you fill the time because uh, you kind of <laughs> talked about anything I would have thought to talk about in that regard. So, but before we get into all that community stuff, um, as always, we are extremely grateful to our patrons mm-hmm. uh, who continue to support us uh, monetarily, um, helps yeah. keep the lights on, and emotional, uh, as it were. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> makes us feel good about ourselves. It does. Somebody loves us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, but also thanks to our great community. You know, mm-hmm. you guys that listen, those of you who are in our Discord, who talk who help others, who just help keep this hobby alive. Mm-hmm. That that keeps us going. Like I'm not in the Discord every day uh, remotely uh, like I used to be, um, yeah. seeing what's going on. I see the notifications fly by on my phone, but <laughs> you know, anytime I do pause to look, it's all positive. And it's, yeah. it's enjoyable. It's people you know communicating and having a good time with each other. So right. thank you all. Because that's, I mean, that could be a lot of work for Matthew and I to have to moderate a community. And it's not. Yeah, you Um, guys have made it um, very enjoyable to be part of and to have available for everybody else. mm -hmm. Thank you for that. It's every now and then, you know, matter, I got to step in it. Hey, you know, this thing. (laughs) Remember, it's PG. (laughs) Everybody's like, gotcha, boss. And And they're like, yeah, don't forget that. I'm like, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah um, it, it goes all the ways around so yeah so other community things by the time this comes out we will this will be the saturday morning uh so last night we'd have had a build party matt i know you're planning to be mm-hmm. there um i'm iffy at this point largely because uh my wife and i may be going out of town to see her folks so mm-hmm. we'll see if we're here i'll pop in if we're not then i may try to pop in just say hey to everybody anyway yeah that'll be that'll be exciting yeah so um i also have a a cub scout outing where first one for the year so it's big and exciting for me and for the new scouts and all that stuff what i would love to do is bring out a glider and fly that around so that kids get excited because in stem night in february we usually do a camp in and we build a glider out of foam board so i want to kind of wet their whistle if i can um kind of help them keep excited throughout the year uh, about this is what you're going to, you know, have an opportunity to build something similar. So, nice. Um, yeah, if I can get that done, that'll be really exciting if I can. That, so that might be some of the focus of the of the build night. Um, yeah, so we'll see. Uh, that's, I've been working on, uh, we usually kind of talk about what we've been up to in the last couple of weeks. Maybe we should start that, I guess. Sure, go ahead. Um, I finished up The Wonder. It's official. My, my uh, what is that? I can't think of it. Yeah, it's called the Wonder. The the FT Wonder. There's a million varieties of the Wonder at this point. There are. I'm doing the standard one, and it's um, it's based off of the Sig Wonder, the old Sig Wonder. It's kind of like okay. a fun. I say Spawns has like twenty or thirty of them himself. Yeah, and Sig did the same thing. They had all they had was like different fins and like a different uh, wingtip shape. Basically, is mm-hmm. the, really the core difference. Um, so I built up one of those for combat. And I made it look like the Wonder Bread kind of logo because uh, it's nice and colorful and it's fun and everybody recognizes it. So it's a lot of. So I'm looking forward to getting that out in the field and flying. I haven't had a chance to do that. So it's ready for Maiden. 
Uh, I also, I talked about last time about putting plans for the Waco on, um, that we talked about last episode uh, on plans. And since, since then, I've cut them out and I've built it. Uh, so the plane is ready, the servos are in, and they're all moving properly. Um, so I'm either going to have to figure out how I'm going to tow it into the air, or maybe get a slingshot thing going on, or I haven't got that far. <laughs> I just wanted to get the model put together. So um, I mean, if you and I ever link up, I don't know, it'd be, it'd be a tough ride, but I might be able to get the Simple Sword to drag you up. I, I think you'd be able to. Yeah, Simple Sword is actually the, the, the motor on it is overpowered you, well, you yeah. can do some pretty aggressive stuff with it um, i'll slap a c-pack on it and go for it oh geez forget that <laughs> <laughs> holy cow you'll be racing with that no but it, it, that would be enough to tow it up into there for sure so we could have some fun with that um i kind of have to put the maybe the tow mechanism put tow release mechanism um possibly but i'm i'm not too worried about that at the minute but it's ready and I'm excited. I think I'm actually, if I get a minute. A simple sore with a bomb drop. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> That'll be fun. Um, and I, I've been working out lights. I had a controller issue. I burned out one of the controllers for the multicolor LED. I uh -oh. bought a new one, and it doesn't seem to be working. And I'm not sure if it's user error, soldering, stinking, or I don't know entirely what. So I might abandon ship on doing multicolor LEDs in the tail. And just put some blue lights in that'll be just simple on off. And that'll light up most of the plane. And if I can get the multicolor working, that'll be a bonus. Um, mm -hmm. I could maybe use that as an Arduino. I picked up a mud LED, I think it's a mud LED system, which um, is essentially a souped up version of the, um, the Radian XL uh, lighting system that... that um, they had put in the FT radians, the flight test radians, night radians. I'm not gonna lie, I want one of those so bad I can <sighs> taste it. I know, right? So the <laughs> so really, I think a lot of what is in it is that that lighting system, and so this is like a better version of it because it has okay. a Vario in it and it has a couple other things. So it's built in. Um, so I ended up picking up one of those, and I'm 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 trying to think. I think I have the lights that I can use for that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna maybe put them in a different build. Um, but I'm excited to use them. I might even put it in the Waco glider because there's there's an easy way to kind of sneak some LEDs in it. Um, so I might use it there. Um, but that was those. I mean, those are what I've been working on. I also designed um, the uproar. I think it's power uh, tower hobbies uproar. I'm not. I can't remember who manufactured that. But Jesse, Jesse. Every time we talk to him, he brings it out and he shows these beautiful pictures of this gorgeous plane. And I'm like, man, I want to build one of those. And I think I'm not, I'm not going to build that anytime soon. It's balsa. And he's like, why don't you build one on a foam board? You design and build those things lickety split anyway. I said, okay. And so that's been kind of on the table uh, for a while. And last week I managed to get a little bit of time uh, to design it. Um, so I've got the design ready and mounted to the foam board. So maybe this next couple of weeks, maybe this Friday, I'll be building that instead of uh, another kind of glider or something like that. So. Be on the lookout for that as we get it forward. If it's successful, um, we'll we'll see about getting plans out to people who want them. So nice. Yeah. What about you, Joe? What have you been up to? Um. Well, the weekend that the episode, that the last episode released, um, it was it started out as terrible weather, and so I didn't actually build. I was like, eh, I'll do other things today because. Mm -hmm the weather's not going to be remotely decent for flying. And by 
probably at later afternoon Sunday, it had cleared up. And I was like, oh. <laughs> oh man i wish i had been building man missed opportunity there oh, um and then last weekend my wife and i were up in north carolina for yeah. our larp busy, busy uh, had a really weekend. good time there yeah it was beautiful weather so. oh dude this weekend was fantastic uh, it really was incredible yeah. yeah if i hadn't been at larp it would have been the weekend to be flying right um yeah <laughs> it, it was just nice like i it was i guess this one weekend, and then weather's gone back to whatever else this is, because Friday night was a bit, a little bit on the nippy side, and then Saturday night was very comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, the days yeah. were pleasant. They weren't terribly hot. Right. Uh, and I feel like driving home Sunday, I really need to Google what a cumulonimbus cloud looks like these days. When I was younger, I knew. It's the but white I just saw clouds. a it's ton a... of spotty clouds. Those are it. Those are okay. the ones that look like big cotton balls in the sky. That's them. But there was just so many of them. I know. That you should have okay. had a glider. You could have been flying it right then and there. Did you look out Sunday? Did you I s- did. And I went, boy, I wish I had okay. something to throw in the sky right this minute. And then I looked at the plane who's still got LEDs kind of hanging out of it. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> and I looked at the Waco glider and I'm like, I don't have a way to get that in the air. And like, darn it. You could just chuck it. Uh, I could just chuck it. Uh, that will be very short-lived. It's not a... So I then... Followed up this past week, I've been kind of eyeballing discus launch gliders. So that mm. might be one of the next things we talk about. I'm not really sure. Um, I remember you were trying to get me on one of those, and yeah, I've still got, I got plans to, for yeah, a you DLG got the plans here. Of, look, we could both build them in the next couple of weeks and be throwing them outside, man. Yeah, because my track record says that's going to happen. I know. You can do it. <laughs> you can do it. We'll do it together. You know what? Maybe I can convince my boss that like one hour a day because I get set aside to that's called lunch, while I'm at dude. work. That's called lunch. It'll be fine. You could get him in the hobby, lunches. man. I've tried. I gave him a FT no, uh, no, tiny you trainer. Be with him, you got to be like, come on, this is. So I gave this. it to him. I was like, I brought no, you no, a no, present. No, no. You you know, let, let me know him. when you want to build it. Okay. It's still sitting in his office. He hasn't touched. Remember, it. Remember, slow and steady wins the race. Yeah, he's Keep gonna it. play around. I want to grab it and be. I'm gonna take it back. I know, right? Um, like, oh, how, that, did, how did it get built? Oh no. <laughs> not that i don't have two or three more sitting on the dresser over there um <laughs> all right anyway so what else, anything else you've been up to sounds like you had a good um, couple weekends so either way yeah i mean i've had a, the last two weeks have just been good i yeah, I'm glad to hear i you. can't say this enough i know it's not hobby related but i just have been loving my new job that's awesome um, yeah and i know you and i have talked a lot off air Mm-hmm. Um, I, I generally try not to let it bleed over into this, um, but let's just say I love my new job, and that's a stark <laughs> contrast. Um, <laughs> I am really happy to hear it. I know yeah. that uh, you've been really busy, but it, it's every time we've talked, it sounds like it's a, I'm busy doing things I'm excited to go do, and yeah. that's not a bet. That's That's a really good way to do it. No, so, it's not. Yeah. Um, and so, Happy yeah, like, I've, I've done a little more work on the simple sore. I still need okay. to put the final like poly dihedral in the wingtips. Yep. Um, and then get like, like get the motor and ESE and battery kind of tied in and yep. mounted up. But uh, ideally you'll have it ready pretty quick then. Yeah. I don't think I'll have it ready for this weekend. And it sounds like we're going to be out of town anyway. Yeah. But if oh. we're here. That's what I'll be finishing up Friday night. If we're not, 
I'll finish up sometime next week and hopefully by next week and be able to get it in the air. Right? We'll see. Oh, if I didn't have to pick up my son from a scout outing, uh, my oldest one's going on his own scout outing and I'm doing mine with the Cub Scouts, um, I'd probably like grab Logan in a plane and say, Joe, I'm coming down. Get your planes ready. Yeah. I mean, we could. Man, it's... I'm not the weather's still won't. been hot, but it has been nice no, for it. Doesn't it doesn't matter. It's been good. So mm-hmm. anyway, all right. I think uh let's move on to any community things if we don't have anything else. And then let's get started on the rest of this episode, huh? Sure. All right. Um going through some of the Discord stuff, I've also put out to the community um through Facebook uh and a couple posts by us by the Aviation RC New Podcast in some of the larger groups that we're kind of associated with. Um, just wondering what people have issues, like what motor, like what's your number one, um, thing you want to know about motors, you know, tell, tell us. And I, and I urge anybody who's listening, reach out and let me know what are the things you still want to know about motors? Um, because that seems to be one of the most popular topics that we have is a lot of people still have a lot of big questions about them. Um, it's our and most popular it, episode for some reason. It is. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's because somebody's linking it as the landing page and people keep clicking on it and going, oh, look at that. Ah, heck if I know. I, I don't know. But I'm really excited that people do come and, and take a look. I know it's a it's an episode that's chock full of information if you can sift through it well enough. Um, if you could put up with me talking that long. No, man, you did good. <laughs> uh, I think we both did good. I'm, I'm, as much as I'm kind of like, oh, that's, a, that's an episode and a half because it was an episode and a half to record. I think it's got an, a tremendous amount of great information, especially as I start talking to different people about their questions with the motors. I'm like, yeah, we covered that. We went into we detail. Yeah. We did that pretty well. And yeah, no, that was pretty clear. And, you know, there's some things I know we're a little fuzzy about. And I think we'll, we'll try to clear that up with maybe talking to somebody who knows a little bit more than we do. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty proud. The more, <laughs> the more I hear some of the questions, the the prouder I am of that episode because <laughs> I know what we talked about. I remember going through all those different things. So I was like, nice. Um, I almost feel like if we were ever going to redo an episode and not like replace it, but like no, no. revisit yeah. an episode, motors would probably be the one. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with because you. Because it, it, at the time it was such a large topic that yeah. even now it still is. I'm not, learned enough to approach properly but having been through it once and thought about it after the fact it's like man i could handle like discuss that differently discuss that differently sure maybe maybe we'll do a motors revisited episode sometime like where we go into the mechanics of it not what you were planning the next episode to be right no no that that's that's a different thing um and we'll we'll highlight that at the end um, but, but yeah, the, the one I'm thinking, if we do revisit it, we're going to revisit it with obviously our, our expanded knowledge from where we were when we recorded the episode. But, uh, if we do it, we're also bringing in an expert. I want somebody to be able to answer the really weird questions. Like, why are these numbers the way they are? Like, and specifically like, why aren't they consistent? What's going on with the industry here with this stuff? And how do you make something so efficient or whatever? Like, Mm-hmm. Just and and then most importantly, the questions that you still have. So I put it out to the community. What is your number one question you still have about motors? Reach out to us on Facebook in an email or 
um, or in our Discord and let us know. There's a motors section in the Discord. Put it in there, please. Uh, and I'll, I'll see it. And I've been taking notes on that because that's what I want to I want to have ready all the difficult questions you have. Because, uh, and I think that'll be helpful for everybody involved too, right? If we have an expert who's a, like they make motors for a living, they know it more than anybody should, right? They want to know what people still want to know. What are people confused about? Mm -hmm. Um, they want you to be excited about motors. They don't want you to be confused. So, well, if their customers are confused about something, it's a marketing opportunity. Exactly. So all the more reason for us to help them reach their audience. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I think it's a win, win, win if we do it that way. Uh, so help us do that. That'd be great. Um, uh, I was in the build channel a couple times uh, while I was trying to suss out some of these builds that I was talking about. And I was on there with Speeder Di- Speederbike Dave, and he was building his own nut- a needle cutter. And he's been building one monster one. He's taken like the basics, but he's, you know, brought in, you know, custom built aluminum and, you know, lathes and all sorts of stuff. So is he going to do a kit for sale or is this no, just no, no. a one-off? He, he, he went and grabbed, he grabbed the list from, um, from what that kit was mm-hmm. and he ordered all those parts. And then he said, yeah, I could do these parts better. <laughs> <laughs> and he, and he, he basically, I recall right. Um, he manufactures, uh, he works at a group, he's either an airplane manufacturer. He works some manufacturing facility and he'll probably be like, well, how do you not know this? Um, and I think he makes like, like super efficient bikes and stuff like that. So he knows how to machine things pretty well. And just like being there with him while he's kind of working and stuff, it was was really cool to see. Um, and we're online with a bunch of other of our usual suspects and it was really good to catch up with everybody. So I appreciate everybody who joined me when I was on, you know, and, and we've again had some really good conversations in the discord. So I appreciate everybody coming out and doing that. Uh, one last little bit of community is there is news uh, on the FAA front because September yeah, 16th September 16th was the mandated deadline by Congress to the FAA to enact remote ID. The rules are officially in place as they weren't overturned up until now. We were a little wondering what was going to happen. We waited with bated breath for the results. The results from the, the uh, court um, race day quads versus the FAA was no change basically. So that gave everybody about a, manufacturers about a month to go, okay, we really are going ahead. Nothing's going to change and released what they had. Um, and so the September 16th is when it's official that manufacturers need to include the remote ID in their models as part of a non tamperable item. Um, now, because a lot of people were kind of holding off um, because knowing that the rules might change if the court uh, ruling was different, mm-hmm. um, they have basically put out a memorandum that says, while the rules are in place, we will not be enforcing them till December 16th. So they've given uh, what a four month reprieve or three month reprieve. Um, so it will no, it will not be enforced until December 16th. For those manufacturers who are trying to get on board, uh, there was a list that was released. And generally speaking, it is pretty much DJI. And there's a couple uh, board manufacturers. And there's some sort of, uh, I don't, I'm not familiar with the manufacturer. It's like Wayth, Wayth or something. Um, there's like one manufacturer that's not DJI. 
um, that's not a board manufacturer, and they're in that too. But they've they've registered with the FAA and are, you know, in the, in the pot to produce models that have their remote ID built in. There's a caveat to that, but generally that's the case. So it's official. It is, is law a, now. Is there a module? kind of in nope. production at this point or and i think that's i think that's what the within is is an independent remote id module um but i wasn't i i don't know enough about that to know uh, and we'll start so i guess the point is is now that some have been registered um we'll start seeing products being released to us to be able to purchase so i wonder if those flash sales are happening now oh i bet they are so, um, what else was I gonna, um, I don't know. I, there's something else that if it pops up while we're talking about the other stuff, I'll, I might catch back up to it. I just like to keep it one big packet. Um, mm -hmm. but essentially it's law. Um, it won't be enforced for a little bit. Expect to see, um, new models coming. Um, but the deadline for modelers to include remote ID or flying a Freya, right? There's a couple different ways you can do it that we talked about before, but those are still in effect uh, September 16th next year. So in, at, at that point, then uh, if you are flying outside of a Freya and do not have a remote ID, you are breaking the law and it can be enforced. And that's September 16th of next year? Of next year, as it currently stands. Hmm. Of course, it's all about whether or not anybody wants to enforce it. Um, and whether or not the FAA is going to say, yeah, it's, it's something we need to do. But they were mandated to make it law by now, and it is. So that's news. Okay. If you want to find out more, uh, really follow a couple like quadcopter uh, YouTube guys. They are almost always on it. Like Josh Bardwell is on it. Um, he, every time he has a weekly FPV news segment, and he and uh, his co-pilot, I guess, uh, it's plenty. He, uh, they end up talking about that. Almost any time there's news having to do with the FAA, it is, it is part of their thing. It's usually early. That's mm. important. So um, also XJet, who's the guy in Australia, but he follows the laws in the FAA because he's like, this, this is whatever happens here is going to go probably everywhere. So let's pay attention and see if we can fight it because this is ridiculous in his mind. And he ended up looking at what Avada had, and he said, but. So the DJ Avada is supposed to have the first like compliant mechanism in built in, right? And DJ right. says yes, and it's on the list of one of the things that you can buy as a model. However, he goes, it doesn't, it's not compliant. It's a basically goes through your phone. But what if you turn off your phone? The model's hmm. still flying. It's not broadcasting. Now you're not compliant. So technically, this is not compliant. I can I can fiddle with what's in my phone. So how is this compliant? And just kind of calling out the, the, the pile of rubbish that it is, as he calls it. Mm. So anyway, well, anyway, I wanted to pass that along. It's, it's news that I think we need to continue to keep up with to make sure we understand um, what the laws are and how we may or may not be obligated to do certain things. And it's up to you as an individual mo uh, model, modeler or hobbyist to choose how you want to... Um, follow or not so well, i appreciate you keeping up with it because um i there's a couple of cool things that come with this it sounds like 
the FAA is turning what our regulations are into the commercial drone industry requirements. And they are working at creating a secondary set of languages and rules that we as hobbyists will slide into is what it feels like at this point. Don't quote me on it. Well, I guess you can, Um, but you know, it may change as we go. But that's what it seems like it's doing. They're already kind of making like, oh, here's another part that you can do if you want to do these things. And Mm. it's a little less stringent and it's for a special little section of, you know, um, the drone industry. And by drone industry, I mean uh, unmanned aerial vehicles, like not, you know, quadcopters. Mm. So anyway, um, yeah, I'll, I'll be keeping an eyeball on it because to me it's really important in how we enjoy the hobby. It can dramatically affect how people want to or are able to get into the hobby. And to me, that's paramount. If you can't get into the hobby, what are we all doing, right? That's right. Speaking of, hey, Joe, are you ready to start the recap? <laughs> yeah, let's do that thing, that thing that we <laughs> sat down to do tonight. <laughs> oh, good, good. Um, okay, so I think you know, we were both in these episodes, and, and maybe you can remember, um, I kind of outlined <laughs> for both of us, uh, I outlined some of the key points for all of us. Really, um, uh, that we I, I want I think might be worthwhile to take away um, from these episodes as like uh, okay when you're getting started, even if you don't want to listen to the whole episode, here's some things to remember um, as we go forward, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the first group we're going to talk about are the getting started episodes, and that's for us. Um, we generally structure that as our first year, um, but not everything is quite in the first year, but. It's the things that you should know before you really, or as you're getting started, or the things you should kind of be aware of before you get going. Mm-hmm. Uh, first one was how to get in the hobby, and that was the episode one, getting started. And ultimately, you know, befriend somebody in the hobby is what it comes down to. Join a club, talk to people in the hobby store, see if they can set you up with somebody, find a friend who's already in. Maybe you have a family member like a dad or an uncle or a mom or, or who knows what, um, and maybe your brothers are in it, something, sisters. I You tend to go male-oriented because looking at our audience, that seems to be who joins this uh, this hobby. Um, but I'm not excluding anybody, I promise. Um, oh, and hey, psst, yeah? if you can't find anybody, we're here. Yeah, we're <laughs> Join here. the community. Yeah. Like, these, yeah we'll we got some going. guys that love to see it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and we're 100% on board helping you get uh, keep in it and enjoy it. Um, look at internet videos. Obviously, there's a ton to learn there. Uh, go on to hobby forums, ask questions, be a sponge, and absorb as much info as you can. Uh, that's pretty much the the gist of episode one. Most of it is is talking to Joe about how he got started and what his journey has been up to that point. You know, mm-hmm. So that's, that's what that was about. Uh, episode two, so maybe you can learn something from how Joe got in. Uh, there's some good ideas in there, and, and uh, his perspective, I thought, was invaluable. Uh, episode two, we talked about terminology and all the, all the stuff, parts of the plane, all the different electronics. It's a lot of the lingo, so if you're looking for search terms and you just started, you have no idea what an ESC is, it's an electronic speed controller. It's not an escape as some people will call it, uh, or whatever, 
it's a BEC. What's a BEC? It's a battery eliminator circuit. But if you don't know that term, you're not going to be able to find it. What's a KV? You know, we'll, we'll get into more of that in the motors, but you know, it's what, what you might want to look up to learn more. I do wonder, because like KV in my mind says kill a volt, but I wonder if it's, it's not, not like kill a per volt. It, it's, it's a constant per volt. It's like the K is representing a constant. Which is? I don't know, some number. But it's uh, essentially revolutions per volt is what it Okay. We'll get into that right, at it. episode five. Yep. In episode three, we talk about where to go shopping, where to get your parts, where to... So go to your hobby store, right? If you have a local hobby store, go there. They will set you up with the things you need to get started and have success. They want you back. They want you happy. You know, and they'll give you good advice. They have... Mm probably institutional knowledge that goes hundreds of years between all the people that are in that store. Likely. <laughs> um, Amazon, it's easy. It's convenient. comes straight to your door. Uh, you can go to any of the online quad stops, quad shops, because they have a lot of um, inexpensive, uh, accessible, fairly indestructible motors for quadcopters. Get FPV is a good example. Um, I'm, Going to blank on all the others, but there's a ton of them out there. Really, look, you can go to the, all the online hobby stores like Tower Hobbies and A Main Hobbies and a couple of the places like that. Go to flighttest.com. Uh, They've got a whole storefront that is designed like pick a power pod system, buy the whole thing, and here's the list of all the planes you can build for free. Like, you know, here's all the plans for free that you can download and build them and have fun with this one power system. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Banggood. Is, a, is an online company from China. There's another one. Um, I'm blanking on it now, but it's basically the uh, AliExpress. It's kind of like the discount, super discount version direct from China. You'll save some money. You will have no customer service. Um, but it's one of the ways you can get parts. You can get them cheap and you can get started. Ultimately, you know, you, you pick your poison. You mm. get different levels of uh, customer service. The, the hobby shop it's a good hobby shop, you'll have top-notch customer service. And it kind of, I did it pretty much in order of customer service there. Um, where to get your plans? Like you know, when you're trying to figure out what to do, right? Um, how, how to get started, how to make your own plane. Like where do you get all that stuff, right? Flight Test has over 70 plans available that are free. Um, you'll have a number of internet sites. Uh, Aerofred and Outer Zone are good examples of ones where you can get all the balsa plans from all the vintage stuff there ever was, um, they're available for download for free, and it's incredible. Um, let me ask. Let me actually ask you a question about that. Sure. Um, How do they do and, that? And we we may have to cut this bit out. I don't know, but maybe flight fest, flight fest, flight test originally had like all their early builds. They were mm-hmm. available for free. The, the plans were there, ready to download. Yeah. yeah. As I understand, a lot of those have disappeared. Mm, that's not entirely true. Nope. They're there. Um, they're not, I know they're not Spons linked. keeps a repository of them. Right. They're in that repository. So if you join Boy. forums, but if you link into the stuff from outside, they're not always there. Part of what they had to do was revise how they were presented so that people couldn't take them, duplicate them and sell them. So that flight test then gets the phone call and has to do the customer service. So it's clear that you're getting a flight test plan. Once they started doing that, they started to re-release some of the stuff. 
Okay. And make it so free. They still have all the plans they had originally free are still free. They just didn't make all the plans free. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've said before, and I'll say it again, if you want free foam board design plans for almost every plane you can dream up, go to the forums, search up the plane you want. Chances are somebody has built one, probably released some plans of varying degrees of ease of use, but they're still going to get you there and help mm-hmm. you make a plan. And between that and the build log next to it, uh, usually enough to kind of get you to build the plane you wanted to build. So um, it's a great resource. And flight tests, really, they have all the, I mean, really all the planes you could ever want to get started and get into the hobby. And at that point, if you want more, it's time to learn how to design a plane. We'll get into that later. Um, episode 50, we talk about building, what, it, what you need um, to build a plane, like all the different components and pieces and parts that you want to have available, all the little bits and bobs. Um, you know, flat table, you know, building mat. Cutting, you know, cutting utensils. What kind? Number eleven blades. Do you? What kind of gun? You know, glue gun. Do you need a soldering iron? What kind of soldering iron? All that stuff. So kind yeah, of I just found out recently there was a battery powered mm-hmm. hot glue gun. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's great in the field. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, it worked great on the bench. <laughs> I bet it would. Yeah, I didn't even think about using it on the bench. I figured I would just have it as a thing you throw in the bag and bring with you just in case you go, oh, all I need to do is glue that up. It'll take a minute. Use some tape and some glue, and we'll have that back in the air. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, episode five, we talk about motors. We talk about brushed and brushless. Uh, I'm going to highlight the things from the brushless motors because that's what we all tend to do um, with uh, most of the hobby. Um, so Joe, don't feel uh, like I'm trying to dish you or anything because he did a great job with that, with the brushed side of it. Um, but most of these terms kind of... You kinda... did the brushed. I did the brushless. Did you? No, I thought it was the other way around. Oh, whatever. Listen to the episode, you'll find out. I, I think the... F- <laughs> I can't remember. So we had to do that episode twice. And I think That's the true. first time we went through, <laughs> I did brushed and you did brushless. Maybe. But halfway through, I said, no, 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 no. Let's, let's take another night or two to research this. Okay. And then I ended up doing brushless. Maybe. That might be it. That's probably why I'm confused. Oh, either way, Sorry. if you're the listener and you know, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, either way, these are the things I feel like you could take away from the episode right now to help you kind of get started. Uh, we talk about stators. Stators are that core that all the windings are wound around. Um, that's how motor sizes, at least the smaller ones, are measured. Uh, they measure the height and the diameter of that stator. And that's basically what helps generate your power. Um, and all the power from the motor is effectively because of the stator size. So that's why they measure it that way. KV is revolutions per volt. So if you have an 11, if you have a 1000 KV motor and you have 11 volts of power, you're going to have 1000 or 1100, I'm saying right, 11,000 revolutions in one minute. Okay. All right. Sorry. Yeah. 11,000 revolutions in a minute. Yep. Um, Measure of efficiency is watts per gram. A lot of the power generated is in watts because it's an electric motor. And you can use that watt generation. And that's watts per gram of motor. So if you've got a 25 gram motor, it's going to generate, if it's 100 watts per gram, they're usually not, they're more around four. You're going to generate like 100 watts. It's a 100 watt motor if it's four watts per gram and a 25 gram motor. 
So uh, that's like typical of a quadcopter motor. That 100 watts you can use to size up your plane. So that's where that kind of gets uh, helpful. Your thrust is in a static environment with ideal conditions. This is how much the motor is pulling on a measurement device like a, or pushing on it with like a scale or something like that. Um, it's not a really good measurement of like true thrust values that you're going to get while you're actually out in the air, but it's a good way to roughly size what you need. If you know how big your plane is, how much it weighs, you know how much based on the performance you want, you know about how much thrust you're going to need. You can use mm -hmm. that as a guide. Most motors have these values in their little chart that comes with or is associated with the motor site. If it doesn't have it, look up that motor on a totally different site that has all those things because that information is invaluable. Uh, the motors also have the weight value of the motor itself. Um, and the outside diameter, and the outside measurements of the motor, that's going to be helpful when you're trying to fit it into an existing plane. So you might need that. Or if you're trying to plan out a new design, right? You kind of want to know that. Um, they also, and what I find, this is what I use for when I'm trying to figure out which motor rough size am I going to have to grab. Usually I start with my designs with the prop size because I know this is roughly the size of my plane. The clearance is going to be about this much, which means I can have this diameter prop. Careful not to dig too deep into that. That's uh, uh, next I'll week's get, episode, right? I'll get into that more, but I'm just saying those are helpful values when you're looking at motors Look for the suggested prop size. It'll also tell you the suggested prop size based on how many, how many battery bolts it'll give you the amps. Those are the values you're going to take with you as you design out the rest of the system. So when you're looking at motors and talking about how motors work, those are values you want to always have in mind. Pay attention to like the prop size it can spin, how much amp it's going to draw when it does that, what voltage it's using to do that, and then what KV value are you working with? Because that's going to tell you how fast it goes. Because that may change what kind of prop you choose and all that stuff. We'll get into that. But those are values you want to have when you look at your motors. Take them with you because you'll need them for the other parts of what you're... Like if you're trying to fi fit an existing plane, you need those values. So if you learn nothing from the motors, listen to understand what those all mean. I, mm. I covered them briefly. But uh, I think that's the big takeaways from those, from that episode. Um, episode 18, I jumped to this one because props and motors kind of go hand in hand. Um, props are basically how an airplane is pulled through the air. It's an airfoil. When it spins, it creates lift that's perpendicular or in the direction of travel, I should say. Uh, perpendicular to, the, I was going to, the front of the plane, basically. Um, but in the direction of travel. And the first number is the diameter. The second number is the pitch, which is basically how fast it will screw through the, how far it will go forward with one rotation of the propeller, ideally. Now, what I've always been curious about is, is that like if you were slicing through something fairly solid? Right. That like that's the angle Ideal of the screw? Angle. Yes. Like, it's effectively you, the pitch of a screw. It's called right. an air screw for a reason. Right, but an air screw, knowing that air has some a lot of give to it, mm -hmm. so is that like in an ideal world that pitch would basically it's like is that like when you screw a screw into wood because mm -hmm. the wood is solid, so you're like that pitch is going right. to give you what it's going to give you in wood. Right. Is Does it the ideal sense? or is it the effective? 
Right. I know. It's a good question. That is the perfect question for the follow-up episode on props for the experts. (laughs) Well, we have somebody who (laughs) knows what they're talking about. Come on and talk with us. Right. Because as I understand, I think it's ideal. I think it's the ideal amount. Um, And so basically those those two things, the prop and the motor, kind of go hand in hand. The prop is physically moving matter. That matter costs energy to do. The energy is what the what the the motor produces, right? You put power through it; it creates work. The work is in watts. That watt is basically moving something a distance, right? That's what work is: physically moving something uh, a certain amount, right? So, what you're moving in this case is is the plane through the air, or effectively moving the air past the plane. So. But those are the important things you want to know, the diameter and the pitch. That's what the values are on that thing. And it considers you know, the pitch is how far it screws in forward through the air per rotation. Okay. And then so you take your your voltage and your KV value. So the, the battery voltage and the KV value tells you how many turns it goes. And based on that and how much your pitch is, you can figure out how fast it's supposed to go, ideally. And then you can adjust for, for whatever. And then you can get a rough idea how fast your plane is going to go. So anyway, those are values you want to take with you because you're going to use that when you're trying to size, is this what I want to use, right? Because that seems to be the big question. I've got a plane and I need to figure out what I want to put into it or I have uh, this and I want to fit that, you know. So you got to go back and forth. Those are the important values, I think, for props. Um, keep in mind, different props flex differently so they're – like going through different types of wood, right? Some are really soft, jelloey wood. Some are like steel. They don't give at all. Like if it's carbon fiber, it doesn't give. That prop, when it turns, is going to push as exactly that air. It's not going to flex a little and kind of be a little soft on that. Some are thin, and they will. So just keep that in mind. Um, batteries. Um, let's see. S. So the S count, that's the number of cells. When I have a 4S battery, that's a four-cell battery. Each cell in a LiPo, these are all LiPo batteries I'm talking about, will has 3.7 volts of average energy. goes from 4.2 volts to 3.3 volts is the range. 3.7 is the average. So that's why when we say it's a three-cell, it would be a 3S battery. It puts out 11 volts of power. Okay. 11.1. I- I don't think you answered this yet, um, but something that I always, like, I get it now, but every time I hear 3S, like, mm-hmm. why? Uh, because why is C it- is uh, the safe charge value. Well, it's a no, safe charge I mean and discharge like- rate, so they already use C, so they can't use C for cell. So using right. S. Right. I, I would think and like now three there's a cell would be the nope. three C. So what you'll see is actually if you look at the value, it's typically a three S one P, three series, one parallel. If you have a very large battery with six pouches and it's a three cell battery effectively, you have three cells, two parallel. And you have more energy at 11 volts. Mm-hmm. So you can have one battery that's massive that has six pouches instead of three big ones. And you can have them in parallel as one battery. So, right. so what that's I'm, what the what S getting is. At. The, it's one S is for the series. How many, how many pouches are in series? Right. 
and going back to your uh, early science days when you learned about <laughs> series and parallel and, you know, were light switch, like were the light bulbs in series or parallel when they came from oh, the switch. Man. Yeah. V right. equals IR and all that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yep. when, when all the, uh, and we'll call them individual cells, whether they're in series or pal- parallel or not, they're still cells. When they're all in series, their voltage stacks. Mm-hmm. When they're in parallel, their capacity, capacity stacks. Correct. Okay. Yep. So if you've got a three cell battery, generally that's going to be in parallel. So you're getting your 12 volts, no, in, in but that's just, yeah, in series. So right. you're getting your 12 volts, but you're getting that capacity. But if you mm-hmm. were to say have a six cell battery, but it was in it's a three S two P S two P, you're still getting that twelve voltage off a six off a six, off a six. cell, but you're getting say Definitely. twice the storage capacity, the the milliamp exactly. hours, the runtime. Yep, exactly. So, that's it. Like and that's going why it's through S and not like P. that. Yeah, those those. Why is it S that just blew my mind for the yeah. longest time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It, t- it took me a second to realize where you're coming at and I get it now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, if look closely at your battery, it'll, it won't be just a three S battery. It'll be a three S one P. Sorry. I can be oh, long winded at times. That's okay. No, no, you're right. Um, but, but the one P is understood because most lipo batteries that we use in the hobby for the small park size stuff never has two P. <laughs> you know, we, we rarely put, a giant monster battery because we're trying to conserve weight, right? Like, mm-hmm. but if we're sitting there making a rover that needs to go forever, yeah, we're going to look for batteries that have a P rating as well. So, I bet Ron and Tom use P ratings. We won't talk about that. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm sure they do. Uh, on the bigger planes, they're usually using 12, 12 cell batteries. Um, yeah, they, they really have a lot of, uh, because they're big, they can hold a lot of weight, they can fly with a lot of weight in them. So mm-hmm. um, anyway, yeah, it's good. Uh, C, the C rating is a big confusing thing for most people. That is the safe discharge and discharge rate. Um, and so basically that is, uh, let's see, if you have 10 C, it's, whoa, geez, now I, do you remember? I do, but I'm waiting to see if you do. It's like it's one percent. I don't know. I just take the the milliamp hour and whatever the amp hour is of the rating of the battery. It's the it's one percent. Right. So that's that's. mm, I just want to charge it at one percent, but it can discharge at whatever the C rating is. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm understanding this percentile thing you're talking about. But a C is whatever the milliamp hour rating is. So if it's a 1300 milliamp hour battery, one C is 1.3 amp. So you can charge a through a 1300 milliamp hour battery safely at 1.3 amp. If it is a 10 C battery, you can discharge it at 13 amps. If it's a 20C battery, you can discharge it at 26 amps. C being its amp equivalent. So if we say a 1300 milliamp, 1300 milliamp is 1.3 amp. 
So one C is one point three amp. Right. So you can charge generally lipos. You can you charge at one C. I'll charge them at two C because mm-hmm. I got things to do. Uh, <laughs> And what that usually does is sometimes it will degrade the battery a little faster. So you w- yeah. may not get as much life, like long-term wise, out of it. I, Joe, I guess you're like, yeah, I, I can, I'll suffer the I one or two charges that. I don't yeah. get. Yeah. I need that time back. Yeah. Yep. Um, so yeah, okay. again, the C rating is the milliamp hour in its amp form. Mm-hmm. So 1,300, Perfect. 1,800, 1.3, 1.8. And then how many Cs is its maximum sustained discharge rating discharge and oftentimes rating. it'll have two ratings it'll have one for the sustained and one for um, a 30 second peak mm-hmm. yep um and oftentimes that's that's significantly higher for for short bursts uh, okay um uh, also take away always balance charge whenever you're charging balance charge it just doesn't seem to pay like you can get a charge really fast but if they're out of balance you potentially have um, energy that could be built up as heat and that could cause problems ultimately. Um, if you always balance charge it, it you'll be safe. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Look at your, um, look at your resistance rating on the battery. Most, uh, battery chargers will have a resistance rating and you get to it and you have it check the resistance. As long as they're all about the same, you're good. If you have high resistance ratings, it means charge is being impeded it is being stopped in some way, that'll convert to heat quickly and cause big problems. So you, if it's got one cell that's very different than the others, it's time to retire the battery. Um, storage, store them in fireproof containers or pouches. Um, charge, uh, always have a pouch to transport your LiPo battery. It's basically a fireproof pouch. Um, transport your batteries and store them in a safe way that if something does happen, it's contained in a way that it will not light anything else on fire. So just do your best to make sure that happens. I can't say I'm doing my best right now, but if you look to do that, you'll have less chance of an issue. And they happen on occasion, so be safe rather than sorry. Actually, I think for once in my flying career, I am doing the best I can. and <laughs> I have all nice. my batteries in a LiPo bag. Good for you, bud. So that was episode seven, batteries. Uh, in episode eight, we talk about, let's see, we talk about simming. Uh, one of the best ways to get in the air is practice before you get out there and bust your plane up. So go download a sim. You could pay for real flight or there's other sims out there. But for RC model planes, um, those tend to be the ones that are most, and Phoenix 6 and is free. Um, it is kind of a freeware at this point. Um, those are two of the more accessible. There are other ones. You're welcome to try them. Um, there's a bunch for quadcopters. The one that I have that I use is liftoff. So we talk about that a little bit. Um, get into a sim, practice, get familiar with how sticks move that will get you close. When you get it on the field, it'll be a little bit different. But if you're using the same transmitter and you're practicing roughly the same kind of movements, you'll be able to adjust a lot quicker and you'll have success quicker. Mm-hmm. That's a big thing to take away from that. Episode nine. Uh, let's see. We talk about transmitters. That's a whole big episode. Um, we talk about features, um, the different um, protocol languages. We talk about the receivers and the differences between them. 
we talk about cost versus benefit. Uh, what are you getting? What do you need? Um, and what do you feel is worth having, right? Um, I think you and I have come to terms that an open TX system tends to be far more versatile for new new guys. It's a lot to get into at first, but it will it grow with you. It is a steep learning curve. It is, but it, it will grow with you, and you will be able to do almost anything you need to do for a long while. Mm -hmm. um, and you can get them relatively inexpensively. And for the, for the money, it will last you the longest in the hobby to start out with. So we always kind of recommend learn what you can about it. Pick one that will be the top of what you can afford, and usually that will get you, you know, as far as you need until you start learning enough to go, okay, I actually want this because I have, you know, solid reasons, right? Like I've looked into yeah. it and now I have, I know what I'm in for. Um, so we have recommendations in that episode. Um, so go ahead and look at that. Episode 15, we talk about airfoils. I know this threw you for a loop. Um, how they work, uh, how lift is a function of speed and drag and they kind of go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. Um, uh, what? Let's see. I guess the, the takeaway from this is as long as you kind of understand how they roughly work and the general shape, pick a Clark Y or look into the KFM airfoils. That'll get you started. It's a deep rabbit hole and it has a lot of nuance. There's a lot to learn. But I think as a new guy getting started, look up a Clark Y. It's easy to construct. Flight test, almost all the flight test wings, if they're not symmetrical, and there's only a couple that are, are almost all Clark Y. They're quick, easy construction. Even experimental airlines online, you can find them. Does the same similar kind of construction, more refined, I guess, but it's the same idea. Um, it's a solid way to get in the hobby. Uh, KFM are even easier because they're just plates on top of one another with a step. So yeah, it blows my mind that that counts as a an airfoil. I know, isn't it cool how that works? I mean, it's technically working. Well, it does. It creates an air pocket that has the exact same function, just a little bit more drag. Mm -hmm. Really cool. Anyway, so just the takeaway: um, look into those airfoils and use them, and you'll have fun in the hobby. It's a great way to start. You'll learn more as you need. Uh, don't worry about it so much. Um, uh, I mean, episode... My first, my first proper build was the FT Delta. Yep. Which is what kind? Which was that uh, KVM you said? KFM Klein Fogelman. KFM. KFM, and there's a whole family of these, so you could get to experiment, and it's really easy. And if you're building with cheap, inexpensive, you know, slats of foam, it'll be easy to do. Um, hmm. Episode ten, we talk about. Uh, what we bring to the field. So I think the big takeaway from there is just listening what we find useful and what we don't. We also have a checklist. Uh, that's on oh, our That was website. our field box episode, right? Mm -hmm. um, no, we also have, oh yeah, maybe the checklist is in the field box episode, but it's essentially one of the ones you want to have in the beginning. Um, I'm trying to think, I think I have that in here. Maybe I missed it. Nope. Um, either way, look for our checklist. <laughs> it's on our website. Uh, that's going to be helpful to get you in. Uh, we talk about covering uh, covering a plane, uh, ways to finish your plane, different options. Maybe not important to get you started in the hobby, but as you get a little bit more versed in it, you're going to want to make your plane look the way you, you get excited about. 
So that's one, one something to look into. And we mm-hmm. talk about different methods and, and getting a plane to look the way you want. Uh, episode, that was episode 21. Um, episode 12, we talk about all the odds and ends because there's a lot of little bits and bobs that kind of you, you don't realize <laughs> that are really helpful. You know, um, hinges and little catchments for control line, different ways to use control rod, what's available, um, just how do you control arms? What are those? Like you don't realize what they are or how you, you know, until you start getting into it and you go, oh, there's a lot of different versions. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Are these worth getting? Do I really need extensions here? I mean, you know, for the servo wires, how far do I need? What does it matter what size? You know, that kind of stuff. So we kind of get into that. Um, I would just say that there's a lot out there. Find find something that works well for you. It doesn't fail and keep with it. Mm-hmm. Um, field etiquette, how to be a good steward of the hobby and how to behave yourself if you're visiting at somebody's field. Pretty much um, the takeaway is announce what you're doing so other flyers who do not have eyes on you and won't at least know what you're doing. If they're coming in for a landing, they don't get surprised. Um, let's see. We had the public service announcement on episode 13. That was episode 46 was field etiquette. Episode 13 was the public service announcement episode at Halloween where we had all our horror stories, right? (laughs) And that one is a do what, uh, don't do what I do, uh, uh, but follow what I say, uh, be safe. And we talk all about the episodes and being safe. Just, the things you know are like, this could be bad. When that happens in your head, listen. That's what you take away from that episode. Yeah. It, that's, that is pretty much all the people I've talked to. Like, oh, that terrible thing happened. I knew better, and I chose to ignore it. So don't ignore that little voice inside your head that says, this is going to be bad. <laughs> or it could be. Okay. <laughs> Uh, and then I think we, I have a little blip on episode 43. We talk about um, new types of protocols. Um, and just one of those things, as you get deeper into this, keep an open mind. It is progressing. It is constantly evolving. Quadcopters are bringing a lot of new, as there's a lot of competition and uh, big prize money potentials. There's money being spent into research and making this hobby work better. Um, that there hasn't been up until when it kind of started up, what, 10 years ago? Um, so ELRS, we just talk about that it's new. And I think the big takeaway from that is just be aware of what's out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's see. We talk about regulations updates. So the next ta- category would be when we talked about regulations and uh, any updates to those specifically talking about, um, when we started the FAA notice to NPRM, which is the notice of proposed rulemaking, which is the FAA's way to change a rule that's already in place. Um, they were mandated by, uh, the America, this is in America. They're mandated by the Congress to make a law that makes our sky safer. And, and so in episode 17, 29, 41, 56, and 44, and I say 44 is kind of after that because we were 
it's like a partial part of the focus of that episode. Um, do you talk about it in all those episodes? Yeah, we do. Good Lord. Yeah. It's kind of important. Uh, and, and they're not for it's, terribly it's long. It's almost like you them. care about this thing. Yeah. It, kind of, <laughs> it, it, it made me really depressed for her um, days <laughs> here and there. Um, anyway, it, it's just how, how is the, the way we enjoy our hobby going to change and per through regulations. And, you know, this is the American side of it. Uh, where you live may be different. I know people mm-hmm. listen, listen from all parts of the world, but be, be aware of who's in charge of what you can do and what you can't do in the skies and pay attention to what they're allowing you to do and not and who enforces it. So that's kind of, we talk about what's happening in America, but uh, just know that it could be mirrored in your uh, neck of the woods. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so listen to those episodes. If you're curious to see what the progression was, or just listen to the last one. And we're, oh, and we're probably going to be talking about, oh, we already did talk about it this episode, what the latest and greatest so far is. Mm-hmm. Um, so as it changes, I'll let you know if I learned something. Um, I'm not the best source for it, but I'll at least hopefully get you looking. Hey, you do better than I do. <laughs> well, again, I'm, I pay attention to it. Um, I'm, I'm really, I really love how accessible the hobby is now. And I hate that it may not be. Mm. So, um, oh, do you want to talk about you here real quick? Okay, go ahead, please. Uh, no, for an off-air thing, I can't sure. go um, ahead. <laughs> All right, I'll go get a little little something to drink. Ladies and gentlemen, the captain has turned off the fasten seatbelt sign, and you may now move around the cabin. However, we always recommend to keep your seatbelt fastened while you're seated. In a few moments, the flight attendants will be passing around the cabin to offer you hot or cold drinks, as well as a snack. Alcoholic drinks are also available at a nominal charge, with our compliments. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. Thank you. So coming back into this after a nice uh, fiver get up stretched legs, <sighs> where were we? <laughs> well, we were in. Uh, we were about to launch into the designer series or designing planes series, is what I'll call it. Um, and it's basically what you know, after we kind of covered the basics, we started talking into well, what's next, right? Um, one is get out and fly, right? You know, mm-hmm. meet, meet your local people, get part of a club, get part of a community, um, find a good spot to go that's comfortable and easy to get to. But the next logical step is you're like, ooh, I, I want to try this. I have an idea. I want to see if I can make it go, right? Yeah, so don't we start, do like me and do that out the gate. Dude, you did great. I'm really, <laughs> I'm really disappointed that it didn't go better. And I feel like if... <laughs> You weren't doing it in the middle of the day. We could have been fine. I was literally oh, no. in the bathroom getting texts from you and going, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is not the right place. Um, <laughs> anyway, but I was I was also so stoked at how excited you were and the mm-hmm. success you did have, man. It was good. Um, but, yeah, not, most people don't start out saying, I'm going to design a plane. I built one, and it went well. <laughs> that was fun. I'm going to build one. I hadn't even flown the first one yet. I, thought, I was no, like, let me did. build this one and get it out of the way. <laughs> it's been rolling around my idea head for a long, <laughs> long while. 
I'll get my 13 year old self out and we'll write it down. Um, I don't know. Ooh, that's remember. an interesting question. Tail dragger just asked. What's that? Can satellite receivers function independent on their own? I, as I understand that they don't. Okay. So they are a extra, they're almost like a diversity as I understand it. Okay. So they and are the, and, indeed a satellite dependent on right. the primary receiver. Right, exactly. So uh, it's like if you have your receiver in a noisy place, you can, like RF, or maybe it's mm-hmm. in a carbon fiber cage where signals get wonky, um, you can put the satellite out in a spot that gets better reception. Yeah, okay. Yep. But they're they're not a full-blown no. receiver. They're just like another it, antenna. It's essentially an extra antenna and decoder, but it sends a signal to the main board, and then they, I guess, figure out which one's the better signal and shunt that through. Okay. As I understand Sorry. it. I, no. I saw the alert pop up you know, where somebody had said something I know, while right? we were getting going. That's awesome. I'm glad. To, I, <laughs> every time I do that, I get so distracted, so I forget about it. It's <laughs> uh, just like, no, no, I, don't, I can't look. Can't look. Um, no, so I'm glad you did. That's a good question. Very good question. And I could have it wrong because I've never used a satellite, but I've looked at it, and that's what I understand it to be at the minute. So, sorry, I don't mean to really backpedal. Anyway, so we're talking about designer series. Um, There is, (laughs) uh, it's not going to go in order, as you might think, right? Um, So we, I feel like we kind of started out with, like episode 31, we really get into the details of it, maybe some of the nitty gritty. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do want to lean back to episode 15 where you select an airfoil, but that's going to be kind of after episode 31. Episode 31 is like how to design a plane, like select your plane, select the size, figure out your power system. Maybe you know, get a plan or make a plan based on what you kind of suspect you want and then go build it. Right. It's mm-hmm. we talk through those steps. Um, you know, first you figure out what plane you want to build, right? Most people just don't want to grab something. They have an idea in mind or they have a plane they want, like this Bruce Goose. It's like, okay, I want to build this Bruce Goose. How am I going to do that, right? And then while I'm doing that, I'm looking at like, well, how big do I want this thing? And I'm sitting there going, oh, I want it awesomely big. And then I think, my car is a little economy-sized car. (laughs) Maybe I ought to think about the logistics of physically getting it in and out. Maybe I should build an economy size. <laughs> I should. And so mine ended up being that small five foot. I'll call it small, the five foot one. Um, but, you know, or you got to think through as you're coming up with your design, like, well, I've got to transport it through my house, <laughs> uh, out the door somehow. Uh, if it's big, that could be a problem if you don't plan for it. How do you disassemble it to get it into the, the transportation vehicle? Which ones you have? So you got to think about all that stuff when you're getting to through your design. Then, of course, based on the size of the plane and the kind of wing you have and all that stuff, you got to start sizing the power system. So you got to figure out how big of a motor. I usually start with how big of a prop does my scale model have? Like if I'm building a cub. Well, you know, you scale your cub down and it's roughly this big. Well, you can measure that scale-wise and go, mm-hmm. okay, well, it should be roughly, you know, 10-inch or maybe a 12-inch profit. You may want to size your plane based on what components you have. You might say, I've got that CPAC with a 10-inch motor. I don't want a plane that can't do a 10-inch motor. 
or that's too big for a 10 inch motor because it's, you know, the cowl is eight inches, you know, <laughs> um, you got to think about making sure that you're, these things all match up in size, right? Um, mm -hmm. And we kind of talk about that in, in bigger detail. Uh, once you do that and you decide on your systems, you figure out the size of the plane, you figure out all that stuff. You're like, okay, well, now I need to build the thing. Sometimes there's plans already ready. Sometimes you can go based on a balsa plan or something. Maybe you're making it from scratch, in which case you're figuring out as you go. Maybe you plan it out with some basic three-view stuff. Uh, so at least looks, some people do silhouettes or, or you know, um, flat plate type planes where it, it looks like the plane from the side, you know, from 20 feet away or 100 feet away. You don't know if it's full size or not. Um, you know, it's all about making choices. I think we talk about why you make certain choices uh, when you go through the design process and kind of help you with that. Uh, big one, episode 15, we see selecting an airfoil. Uh, we talk about what an airfoil is, how they differ, what are the naming conventions, because if you look at full-size, full-scale aviation, for every plane, there's like six airfoils, it seems. <laughs> and they have a naming convention that helps you understand what kind of characteristics you might be getting into. Uh, we do talk a little bit about how to read some of the charts that you get when you start getting into the weeds. Um, but ultimately, when it comes down to it, you look at the kind of plane you're going to do. Like, are you looking to do a bunch of acrobatics and inverted stuff and, and you know, tail slides? And, well, you're going to want a symmetrical. Like, there's a certain symmetrical airfoil is pretty much what you want. If you're mm -hmm. doing a standard high-wing glider kind of stuff, where it's a trainer plane, like a Clark Y pretty much works. If you want a glider and it's got to be super efficient, well, you can use a Clark Y, but you might want to make it really thin or or whatnot, like you used the yardsticks as your spar because you knew the wing was going to be thin uh, on your big glider there. So uh, there's, you know, so we talk about that briefly, but, you know, like I said, it, it seems to boil down to like uh, grab a Clark Y or a KFM and get started. Um, but we do get into some of the more weeds in that episode. So if you're interested to learn more, that's episode 15 is the one for that. Then we get back to episode 32 where we start talking about testing your design. So after you figure it out and build it, you got to see if it's going to work. And you want to do it in a way that isn't going to destroy the plane before you have a chance, right? So in that episode, we talk about how my methods are kind of throw it across the room to a couch or a bed. If you've got a decent-sized bedroom, sometimes I'll throw it down my hallway where it's relatively clear. Um, and if it's close, I'll see it glide and I'll go, okay, great. So then I go out front and wait for a fairly calm day and then throw it out front and see how that performs, make some tweaks, and then just double check and mark where things need to be. So that way when I take it apart, bring it to the field and reassemble it, it's the way it should be. So it'll fly mm -hmm. close to the way it should enough where you can make adjustments while you're out at the field, flying, you know, flying at full speed. Uh, so that's what we do in that episode. Um, we talk about how you test it, right? And and so there's some valuable advice there. And in the following episodes, um, <laughs> 33, 35, and some of the earlier ones in episode 25 and 26, we talked to respectively, uh, Denise Godas, Jack and Steve. We talked to Terry Dunn about his um, 
was it the yin yang and the parallax? Uh, the Nizgotas have what thirteen or fourteen free Some crazy number free plans of like m- like top model quality build like great stuff and they all fly great. Um, and Red Jensen, who has a institutional wealth of knowledge from his days owning being a top modeler and competitor in racing, RC racing, uh, owning a hobby shop, running a UAV, or at least being a big part of a UAV company as a pilot, then moving over to NASA and using and being a pilot for their advanced designs. Um, So we talked to him about some of the process that goes on there and all of them really just talk about what their process is and how they do it because everybody's got a slightly different way to do it. Um, Mm -hmm. And then some of the follow-up episodes uh, like with Denise Godas, um, I talk about how I use some of those methods and how successful or not they were for me. Um, I know I think you might've tried a little bit out and you had your versions of success and probably better than I I think. Um, And then, and then we followed up like in the middle of that is episode 34. That's how to trim it out. Right. And that's where we talk about like, okay, you're close. (laughs) How do you get it to fly right? And how do you get that set up? Um, Episode 11, we talk about custom skins um, and episode and uh, with uh, Sam Platt. And we also talk about it. um, Let's see when we're talking to. Chris McCallum in episode 21 mm-hmm. talk about his methods of, so how do you finish your plane now that you've got it designed? Um, we talk in episode 55 about our glide test process, um, wh- where and when and how and how to do it so that you, you know, you're out in the, out in the real world and you're giving that a go. So we kind of readdress it and get in a little bit more details there. And we also talk about in episode 45, we talk about LEDs, so I get into what they are, which ones to select, why you'd select them, you know, and some of the options that I see you have in the RC world. And I'm happy to learn more as I continue to use them. I, I learn more. Um, so as I get there, we'll do that. Uh, we also talk about some different build materials. Now, we haven't really talked about balsa a whole lot yet, um, but we do talk about Depron in episode 23. Uh, and that is a currently, um, it used to be the go-to material for any kind of foam plane. And mm. now uh, and now it's back and it was like gone for a little bit um, from At the least U.S. in the U.S. Yeah, in the U.S. it was gone um, because it just wasn't a, a burgeoning market for it because we don't have buildings that are 400 years old. So, um, but there's <laughs> one guy who was determined to like, no, this is the material I need for the product I want, and this is what we should have in America somewhere, um, I guess I'm going to be the guy. So he ended up, uh, Greg Tanos ended up uh, bringing it to it. So it's his story there, but then we talk about how to use it. And I think that's the biggest thing as a designer and a builder, like what considerations you need to add um, to your design to make Depron successful, because it is much lighter than traditional materials but there are concessions you need to make in the sense that you need to add stiffening agents like carbon fiber spars or, or wooden, wooden spars in some way, maybe balsa, um, maybe hardwood. Uh, just, just we talk about uh, the best methods to kind of marry different materials together to create a best of all the world's product. Mm. 
So, um, and that, if so, if you listen to all of that's that kind of goes all around, but in that order, you'll have all the information I think you need to successfully navigate designing your own plane um, and having a lot of fun doing it and really coming up with something unique. And I, I know our, our forum members, they really come up with some interesting stuff. And I, I hope that some of the episodes that we've uh, presented out there have helped them get there. So, um, Joe, you want to handle the next section? I thought about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what do you think about it then? But I feel like you've got a better explanation for each of these than I'm going to have. Okay. Well, I'm okay. Sorry. So in, in Joe's defense, I came up with this list earlier, uh, earlier in the week, uh, earlier mm-hmm. today. Uh, so I was like rolling through the episodes thinking about like, what do we talk about specifically there? Um, and I kind of grouped them out. So uh, in his defense, um, if he'd come up with some of these lists, I think he would be like, I got that one. Um, well, hopefully you can get the next one because they're pretty, pretty straightforward. The plane types is the next next group that I want to talk about. So there are a lot of different types of flying. And admittedly, we didn't really get as far as I thought. <laughs> Looking at the list, I'm yeah, like, oh, kind of. I thought we would like busted them all out. But there's a lot we didn't. But we did talk about trainers. So we talked first about like World War One trainers specifically and mm. biwings and biplanes and kind of how they are a different animal um, to fly in good ways and bad. And so we talk about what they are and what they aren't and how they might have a role in your hobby. Um, we talk about the World War II versions where, you know, you're still dealing with some trainers and they have still the same kind of positive tendencies towards learning. Um, but now they're uh, less cumbersome to put together. They're less uh, cumbersome to move around. Uh, they tend to go a little bit faster. And then we talk about some modern trainers where like, let's say you grab a jet. There's certain jets that are great trainers. Um, they still boogie when you want, but they have features in them or they have, um, uh, most of them were kind of like, for example, the F flight test Vigan is an EDF model, right? So it is a jet. It is designed to go across the sky and kill it but you can ease off the throttle and it has really gentle tendencies at low speeds so if you're beginning and you need more time to you know maneuver and get things right that Mm -hmm. plane helps you have that time whereas most jets you you need to be going close to full tilt the whole way (laughs) if you're gonna (laughs) stay in the sky Um, that's just kind of how jets are built like they don't have a lot of lift they need speed that's right. how they work, right? So when you're dealing with that kind of thing, you want to get the, a trainer version, which has the flight envelope that you need as a beginner. So, And part of what we talk about, just a lot of the beginner planes, was because I'm figuring you're, talk, you're listening to us because you want to know how to get in, and you want to get in successfully. So I wanted to point you to the right kind of things. And I think, mm-hmm. Joe, you, you agree, like, you're like, I, I want to know which ones I should head towards, you know? Um, we did talk. Uh, so that's episode 22 for the World War One trainers. Episode 24 the, for the World War II trainers. Episode 27 for the modern trainers. Um, we do talk about warbirds and kind of how you can, what you can expect from them in episode 29. So we talked about, uh, part of it is we were getting into our history segments and we were talking about the different kinds of warbirds. And you can almost, 
as a caveat, like listen to all the history segments and you can kind of see what plane types there are and what characteristics there there are. A lot of the real world characteristics happen in the model world as well, which mm-hmm. is actually pretty cool. Um, but you see, but it, you can also design some of these models to have more different characteristics based on what you're aiming for. Like we talk about the Spitfire a lot because it's a great beginner warbird. If you're jonesing to have a warbird, get that one if you're beginning because it has a wide flight envelope. It still has enough power to do all the cool things you want. You could also back it off. You can ease it down. You could give it gentle turn. You know, you could change the control um, throws, which is basically the, the distance it travels, to reduce its responsiveness so that you have more time to handle a situation, which means it's a great trainer. It's a great way to start. And if you get excited about a Warbird, get that or a Mustang, or there's a couple other planes that are great beginner planes um, that you can get. And then you can get the same planes, but a more, I'll call it commercially available one that has a smaller envelope, but better, more traditional flight characteristics. It'll mm-hmm. it'll sound it'll be like a um it'll be a warbird and they'll be fast and responsive and dangerous and ooh exciting. <laughs> um anyway, let's see here. So the pl- the whole plane types category because you commented that you thought we had made it further through those categories. Mm-hmm. Like we did World War One, World War Two, modern. Like maybe there should have been some more errors in there, like Vietnam and. You know, Korea I was thinking, did. no, but, but like I was also thinking more like, um, I guess reconnaissance planes or jets. We didn't talk. We didn't talk like at all about jets at all. Just nothing. Um, no, but this. So this little series ended up sort of spawning what is our military history segment now. Yeah, it kind of is our aviation history segment where we talk about a plane. Hmm. Yeah, the, that's sort of what this became is the most episodes have a little segment where we talk about it. And that's sort of where this spun out of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. Um, yeah, and and we'll continue on. So as we move on to like other types of planes, like look at the history segments. And for us, that tends to be what, about a half hour to 45 minutes in. We talk for about 15 minutes before we get into the main segment at the hour mark. Mm-hmm. And it's not, you know, not exact, but that's, if you're listening new, that that's kind of our format. So um, we talked about gliders in 58 in the last episode. Um, we talked about why you'd, why you'd want to fly them, what characteristics are different with that than other kind of planes, how they have a role in full-scale aviation as well as military aviation. Uh, we talked about night flyers. Um, we talked about, let's see, we had a good real world example of there's, you know, a lot of the bombing missions happen at night because you, it's hard to see the bomber coming in. Um, it's a, you're more likely to get to your targets. Um, but we yeah. talk about night flyers and kind of like, you know, how to prepare your plane to be a night flyer because, you know, you have to make special provisions. There are requirements uh, by the FAA and by the AMA uh, that you need to kind of follow. And most of it is just to keep you safe so you don't accidentally hurt yourself or, or, you know, run a plane into something or somebody uh, that you can actually successfully fly it. We talked about quadcopters, 
with Lee. Um, with Lee Schofield. That was an enjoyable episode. Yeah, man, that was a good one. Um, from Painless360, he's a YouTuber who's got a great, I mean, it's an amazing channel if you want to learn stuff. He goes through it um, very in-depth and methodically, and he, he makes sure that by the time you're done, you should, you should understand it pretty well. So he's uh, that's part of why we teamed up with him on that episode. It's just because we had a similar mission, I think. Um, he said we talked about, well, that's episode 47. Night Flyers are 40 and 44 and 45. Gliders are 58, we talked about. And then the Warbirds, where we talked about Spitfires and how they might be a good fit for a beginner um, to getting into the hobby at episode 29. Um, yeah. So that kind of covers that. Uh, and then we also talked about uh, different flying types. I know it's almost like a sister kind of category there. But if you're like, oh, I want to do gliding. I mean, we haven't talked much in gliding, but um, when you like flying in windy conditions, um, episode 48, we talk about how you can successfully fly on a windy day. Uh, episode 49, we talk about how to fly, build a plane for water and how to taxi, take off and land in water, right? To the best of our knowledge. And I think, uh, both of us have had a little, little glint in that, right? Um, all of about 30 seconds for me, probably. <laughs> well, it wasn't a whole lot longer for me either. I had a really small, tiny puddle to land in <laughs> and take off from, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, episode 57, we talk about games. So ways you can have fun in the hobby to kind of spice up a regular day. Uh, that was a lot of fun to have, talking to Jesse about them. Um, we talked, episode 58, we talked about gliders. That's the last one. And I think the big takeaway from that episode are like, we have like the, the big three things you really should know before you get into gliding, right? Like what, what kind of plane you need to be looking out for and what's a good way to get started, but also how to get your plane ready. And then how to how to figure out how to find a thermal, and because that's where I feel like the hobby stops being uh, I'm just flying around in circles to being oh there's more to this this is more nuanced and a lot more fun. Um, we talked in episode 39 to um, um, why am I blanking on his name? Uh, there we go, Red Jensen. We talked to Red Jensen about Reno racing. So talking about like, you know, pylon racing and all that kind of stuff. Um, that's a real thing in model as well as full-scale aviation. And then episode 16, we go into some detail about our experiences with uh, first-person view flying or kind of remote, like where we have a camera on the plane and we have goggles on our face and we're looking through that. Um, you know, we talk about how to get started, how to try to do it cost-effectively uh, and still have some fun. You know, because it's a different kind of flying. Um, yeah, I think that I mean, that covers most of the flying types that I could remember. Joe, do you think of any that we had that I, I might have left off that list? I don't think so. Um, I mean, no, I think the only one I maybe would have added in was warbirds, but that's under the plane types. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, the flying style is more. We, we didn't talk about acrobatic flying we did, i mean we did talk a little bit about some of the because we talked about some of the maneuvers right that uh, pilots would make like the flying immelmans and the did we 
A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. That might be worth an episode. Maybe. It'll be really hard to describe, though. <laughs> you go up and you do this thing and you flip over and do oh. this other thing. And... Oh, my God. Well, I think with that kind of thing, we'd have to be up. There'd have to be uh, a, a web page up with visual references that we could call to. Mm. Maybe. And then uh, hopefully describe them as best as we can for people who are on the go. But um, you want to talk about who the, who we talked to? Uh, uh, other sure. other podcasters and some of our guests. Yeah, I can. Right. Um, now this spans a variety of episodes, not nearly in order. Uh, <laughs> podcasters specifically. Uh, Thirty-seven. Um, we had the FTCC on mm-hmm. Fight Test Community Cast. Uh, Pat Murphy and Mike Finley. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did not get Joel with us on that episode. No, he was not able uh, to be there. But those two guys are fantastic to sit down and talk with. <laughs> I could talk and about then, that in the case. <laughs> yeah. And then 51, we had the RC Play Lab. That was our cross ep- crossover episode with those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a really good time. Yeah, Ron uh, and Tom. Yep, 57. What was that? 57 and 54. We hit. Do we have Justin? Well, I guess we had yeah. Jesse on for Flight Fest. That was episode 54, was Flight Fest. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. 57, we had him back on. Yeah, for the Warbird, uh, for the games that we play. Uh, episode 36, we talk about all the other podcasts that you and I are both listening to um, collectively. We just kind of ran down mm. the list of people who, other people who are out there. When if you're craving information, you want to know more. You know, they're, they're out there. Those are the ones that we listened to that we thought were valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you are if you just joined, you know, listen to that episode and see what else you enjoy. I mean, as much as I think we're the best podcast out there. Don't be. <laughs> no, we're not. Oh, my God. Okay. So we're a podcast worth listening to for sure. Um, it's that I don't know about you, but I listen to five or six podcasts in a week. So I feel like, uh, look, if you find other people you enjoy listening to, it's not like we're competing. We just, uh, I, I, we just want to get you in the hobby and keep you there. Um, mm-hmm. So what about our guests? Well, those were guests. The, um, they were. But non-podcast related guests. Um, well, our first one was saying, uh, no, our first one with, was Alan Hayes. Thank you. Yep. That yep. was with the build materials or where to buy it we talked about where to buy things and mm-hmm. you know kind of talked about what kind of experience you should be looking for uh i guess from your brick and mortar mm-hmm. and, and a good way to get started there um and then our first actual guest that sat down with us it recorded with us uh was sam platt with the hangar rc mm-hmm. um then we had we've had Chris McCallum on twice, twenty one yep. and twenty. Uh, it was, was kind of two- like we we just talked to him forever, so we split it up. Yep, yeah. We try not to do that, but we had a couple where we did, and that was one of them. Yeah, uh, uh, you were talking about Depron earlier, so we had Greg Tanos in episode twenty three. Mm-hmm. I think it's uh, I think his website. I'm going to double check is depronking dot com. Um, I want to make sure that we. Let people know. Because, I mean, really, if you're in the U.S., it's pretty much the only place to go get it. But he did a really good job, I thought, of making Depron available at prices. If you're curious, you can 
you can find, yeah, Depron, rcdepron.com. Okay. And uh, let's see, Sam Platts is thehangerrc.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's see, we had uh, Red Jensen on two separate times. So yes. episodes 25 and 26, uh, we had our first initial recording with him, and that episode went long. Uh, yeah. So we broke that out in two parts, and then 39, when we brought him back on to talk more about Rena races and STEM. Mm-hmm. Uh, 33, we've already kind of talked about the Needs Godas, but we had the Needs Godas on. Yeah, they um, have a site as a 13thsquadron.com, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, that's where you can find all their free plans. Episode 40, we had Tad Leeds on, uh, who was involved with the HRC build-off. Mm-hmm. Uh, 47, Lee Schofield with Payless 360. That was our quadcopters episode. It was nice yeah. being able to sit down and talk to him. He was a enjoyable fella. Yeah. Um, and yeah, back to 51 with the RC Plane Lab, Ron and Tom. And then 52, we had uh, Richard Joy on. Right. And then the last couple episodes, uh, 54 and 57, we had Jesse, like you talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, and that's the thing is, if you're in our forums and you have a question about motors, Jesse knows a lot about motors. He dove down a rabbit hole for a long while about them. Did he? Yes. And his takeaway from all of that is, Watts is Watts is Watts. It doesn't matter which way you skin that cat, a Watt will do what a Watt does. And so... <laughs> If you have that a makes mode, sense. Yeah. And he's like, you know, some do a little bit more and a little bit less, but more or less, if it's a 100-watt motor, it'll perform about the same as another 100-watt motor, no matter mm-hmm. how it's configured. One way or another, you'll get there. Uh, and it's like, oh. So, and that, that kind of makes sense as to why people, and I remember Ron, or sorry, I remember Tom talking about it. He's like, it's really just a matter, when you're talking about that CC, of, you know, gasser or whatever, he was like, well, it's there's a certain amount of gasoline energy in that chamber that explodes. It does that amount of work. And that's just, that's why you size your motors a certain way. And electric is basically the, you know, the watts is the electric equivalent of horsepower. There's a conversion too. Um, but yeah, it's like, no, that's just the available energy. You put stuff in and it does this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's, Yeah. Yeah, we t- we talked to a good amount of people. We got more. Yeah, we uh, have. It surprises more. me when I look back and see the list. <laughs> oh my god, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, and then a little bit. So that's almost thirty, like thirty and a half hours of guests. Assuming about Maybe. two hours yeah. an episode. Alan Hayes, give him fifteen. You know, in there. <laughs> you know yeah we've <laughs> we spent a good time talking about this hobby haven't we yeah it's hard to believe but well All right. I mean yeah that, so I think that kind of concludes hopefully that helps you depending on what you want to listen to it helps you kind of find what you want to aim for if you missed it the first go around and you're catching up mm-hmm. um, but you have a burning question uh, hopefully that helped you get there Okay. Well, um, anything else big we need to talk about? Um, I don't know. Is there anything big on your build table? 
Uh, I mean, I finish out the simple sore, and then if I'm here Friday for the build party, I'll pull something else out of the stack. I need to, I need to hit that flurk, and I keep forgetting I've got it. Oh in yeah, the don't for, dude, it's a good one. I need to probably repair. I mine don't a doubt bit. it. I don't, it is. Just don't have one. a motor for it. <laughs> oh, I guess really? Yeah, I guess you don't. It's fine. I gotta get we'll some motors. I gotta, I gotta get some F's, uh, some what, A and F packs or whatever for the little guys. Some of these smaller guys, yeah. Well, if if I'm officially abandoning ship on one of my projects, I've got an extra A or extra F pack set up. There we go. Yeah. Um, what about you? Uh, I got to get this glider in the air. That's that's my that's my sole determined. Okay, not my sole. It's impossible. Uh, the uproar or the ruckus. I'm gonna build one. I'm gonna build that and see if I can get that flying. And then this uh, this big giant glider. I want to get in the air. The, the clerican. All right. Well, if there's nothing else. Nope. There's nothing else. Joe, will you take us out? Guys, as always, thank you so much for tuning in and listening. Thank you, Matthew, for not stealing my thunder and my exit this time. <laughs> if welcome. you have any questions or thoughts, you can reach us. <laughs> AviationRCNoob at gmail.com. You can reach Matthew at Matthew at AviationRCNoob.com. You can reach me Joe at AviationRCNoob.com. You can even come and join our Discord server, join the community, hang out, have a good time, uh, join in for build parties that we set up or that sometimes guys spontaneously get going, ask questions in there for the community to uh, answer and just have a good time seeing what guys are doing. Uh, feel free to visit our Facebook page or our website, AviationRCNoob.com. No pressure, but if you want to be a patron, you can go to Patreon.com slash AviationRCNoob. And Matthew, if there's nothing else. I don't have anything else tonight. Guys, we will see y'all next time. See ya. September 19th, Washington Post released an article. I'm almost back. Give me another minute. No worries. Entitled, Pilot Killed in Crash While Competing in the Reno Air Races. Reno, Nevada authorities on Monday identified the pilot who died while competing in the Reno Air Races and said his family witnessed the crash. Officials with the Reno Air Racing Association said at a news conference that the L-29 pilot Aaron Hogue was killed in Sunday's crash during the event's championship round. Race officials said that the crash occurred on a third of six laps during the Jet Gold Race on Outer Pylon 5. According to a video event, the 61-year-old Hogue appeared to have some kind of trouble with his jet before it crashed into the ground and burst into flames. The remainder of the competition was canceled after the crash, which is being investigated by the NTSB and the Federal Aviation Administration. Fred Telling, chairman of and CEO of the Reno Air Racing Association, said Hogue's family witnessed the crash that happened about three miles from the spectator stands. While we cannot change the strategy, this tragedy, I would ask everybody to think, pray, and honor Aaron for his passion for life and certainly his passion for air racing, Telling had said.
Racing officials said Hogue had flown planes since he was 16. The resident of Paso Robles, California, received his introductory flight lessons, flight license in 1987. We're very sorry for his family's loss as well as his own. It is something you definitely have to have a passion for and its dangers are real. But I want to thank our good buddy Red Jensen for turning us on to the racing as it's one of those I guess frontiers where people are always trying to eke a little bit more. Uh, a little bit more innovation out of a good thing. And he was being very transparent and kind of showing what everybody, what the arena races are about and how they get started and, you know, what the process is. Is there kind of live streaming um, the tests and all the different parts and pieces. So it's really cool that he was sharing that with us and everybody. Um, it's just a, a really unfortunate tragedy. So different prayers from here go to there. I'm, like I'm listening, but I was also uh, looking at something. Be also, yeah, I was looking at my fantasy football for a minute. You uh, stinker! And it's <laughs> fantasy football time. Fair enough. I don't like. It's the first time. Terrible. Oh, they, they were projected to get eight points. They got negative eight. How I you won't. get negative points? Phenomenal. Do 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 do. Eighteen episodes. That's over thirty-six hours of listening pleasure on how to get started with remote control airplanes. And stop.